Hello, friends. Welcome back to Meg Living Inside Out. This is episode 14 of Friendship, Jealousy. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Exodus 20, verse 17. This verse is so important. This is one of the Ten Commandments, and it is one of the first ones that really deals with our thought life. How do we think about what other people have? Let me tell you something, friend. Nothing will kill a friendship faster than jealousy. Oh, where do I even start with this? Um, quick addendum. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be hard on the tangents today, so it's not all gonna be heavy and convicting. Let me just encourage you with that first of all. Um, I briefly want to reference last week's podcast about best friends and say there is a time and place to say this person is my best friend, where it's not pressuring. But the main thing is to show that person first that they are your best friend before you say it. Um, And just wanted to clarify that because recent life experience has reminded me that that podcast was unbalanced. I was trying to balance something out and so I was emphasizing one side, but in recognizing with some life experience recently, um, I needed to balance out my overbalancing, my overemphasis. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things in life where you need balance and sometimes we'll overemphasize one thing to balance out a cultural conversation, but then we're also assuming that the other side of the conversation, you know, there's context matters, um, and balance matters. So, Thank you for hearing that clarification, and if last week's podcast episode gave you some concerns, I am so sorry for that. Thank you for coming back. I appreciate it. Okay, let's talk about jealousy. Um, No, wait, not ready to talk about jealousy. We're just going to do this. So I had an opportunity last week to visit my friend Sarah Yount in Texas, and she is a sweetheart, and um, she's one of my best friends. And saying one of my best friends is still a nice group container of there's not a hierarchy within that where, you know, somebody has to compete for first or second. This is not, oh gosh, I'm going to date myself here. This is not a MySpace friends ranking thing. (laughs) So, um, Yeah, and actually, these two episodes tie together nicely. Um, The second thing I'm going to say, which segues into this, is one of my best friends is Annalise. And um, you may know her as feminine underscore not underscore feminist on Instagram. And, um, oh gosh, I was going to look it up before I recorded this, but here I am. She and I have been video chatting for a while and now it's at a point where we video chat pretty much every week for several hours at a time and as of this recording 
I have a grand total of almost 500 Instagram followers. My dear friend Annalise is at 130,000, and I am so rejoicing over how God has platformed her, and it is it gives me so much joy that he can just use the people to very democratically raise someone up and you know we don't have to go through the traditional through the traditional channels of you know a publishing agency or someone at the top choosing you know one of these small lowly people and raising them up you know the the age of the internet has really democratized fame and this leads us into our conversation today of jealousy. Fame is something I have really, really wanted. I was listening to an episode of Vanessa Van Edwards a few years ago, an interview that she did, and she talked about how status is a resource that's particularly valuable to certain people. And the story that she told was she had an employee who was super valuable, just killing it, bringing, pulling her weight more than. And Vanessa wanted to honor her and encourage her and bless her. And Vanessa is, to my knowledge, she's not a Christian, but in searching the truth, she is discovering a lot of biblical principles. And it brings me so much joy to see all of that tie into her research. And so I will make an effort to link this video interview in the caption. I have watched it at least three times, and I've gotten multiple things out of it every single time I've watched it, that is the strength of the endorsement that I am giving this interview. Can't speak for any of our other ones, but this one was absolutely fantastic. So, with that clarification on my endorsement, let me continue. So, she had this employee that was absolutely incredible, and she was like, I want to give her a raise. So, she reorganized the company budget, and she took her out to lunch, and she said, I'm going to give you this raise. And the young woman just kind of had a neutral reaction, and Vanessa even noticed a few micro-expressions that were negative. And micro-expressions are something that Vanessa goes into, and once you see them, you cannot unsee them. Basically, it's reading body language, and she goes into the science of it, and it's very, very cool. And so this young woman was not excited about the raise, and Vanessa was just like, oh my gosh, have I offended her? Like, what have I done? I'm trying to show her how much I appreciate her, and it's not working. And this, like, this is... This is, <laughs> I've been telling myself I would research this, and I still haven't yet, so I apologize. But if I, ha- if I knew more, I would probably tangent harder, so it's probably for the best. But this goes into resources, and the resource that this young woman valued wasn't money, it was actually status. And Vanessa had to step back and think about, okay, when have I seen her most excited? And she remembered that it was that this young woman was most excited when they took company pictures. And she was like, you know, which outfit should I wear? You know, okay, the photographs are back. Which expression do you think is better? And that was so important to her. Her presentation. And 
Vanessa realized that status was the resource that mattered to her. And so what Vanessa then did was she gave her a new title to go along with that promotion. And this young woman just lit up. And it was a complete game changer. And so the desire for status is something that God has placed in my heart inherently. And I want to emphasize that. The thing that I'm desiring is not a bad thing. It's something that is part of my personality. And it has taken me many long years to wrestle out that that is a good thing. It's It's been painful, y'all. Like okay, is this a, is this a pride struggle? Am I, am I being arrogant here that, you know, okay, I made these dance films. Are they going to go anywhere? Are they worth anything? Is anybody going to see this? I'm putting my heart and my soul into whatever it is, this perfection post on Instagram. And I put out into the world and it just like, okay, my close friend shared it. Great. And then after that, it's just dead. And I'm like, I put an hour into 10 carousels and a very concise paragraph that people can digest easily and it just dies with this? Fun tangent, the day that I put that out was a test and I was asking God, I was so discouraged with my Instagram. I was at 220 followers at that point and I'd been at that point for oh gosh, the entire three years I'd been on Instagram. I had one spike with a after anorexia reel, but a lot of real followers are not genuine followers. And so they didn't see my stories. They didn't care about my content. I ended up using a story viewer tracker to look at who looked at my stories, exported that into an Excel spreadsheet, and then compared that manually with my follower list and removed the usernames of the people who had never seen my stories. Yes, I'm anal about this, but let me let me keep going. After I did that, I did see more views on my stories from the other people who were actually active on Instagram. And then when they saw my stories and they realized that my content was not their cup of tea, they also had followed me. So um it was not in vain. Uh, the the reel that went viral taught me that having a lot of notifications was actually not something that I was very comfortable with. It was very overstimulating. It was, you know, having a, a noisy comment section was fun and interesting when the comments were meaningful and engaging. Um, but also there were some derogatory comments as happens on the internet oh my goodness the comment section woo um and so the 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 gift that that was was um I ended up replacing a lot of old friendships in my follows that were just tired they were tired of me and I was tired of them, not in a bad way. I still care about them, but just we didn't have a current friendship. It was not alive. It was dead. And I am not the kind of person to... I don't like courtesy follows. And I have removed 
a handful of very high profile follows that um normally you know you wouldn't remove those but I just I don't want one I don't want to pretend to be someone I'm not and if somebody doesn't have a relationship with me I don't want to pretend that I do um and so I mean if any of those people come back at this point and refollow me I will keep their follow because I've I'm letting go of that obsession. <laughs> it's been a journey, y'all. This is embarrassing. Um, but also, um, I don't want to be. I don't want to pretend to be someone I'm not. And you know, I first got into man. I am tangenting hard today. This ties in. I promise you. Hang with me. The first time I got into removing dead follows was actually on Twitter and it was because it was a sincere motivation of I have 800 followers but mostly it's because I've been on Twitter for active for like seven years or at that point and most of these are dead and I soft blocked a bunch of people that I knew weren't active I found a handful of porn accounts that were just like Jack why seriously okay not taking that tangent. Um, and I I purged down to 300 Twitter followers. That's 500 soft blocks. It was brutal, y'all. Um, but after that, I had my first tweet pass 100 likes. And that was when I made the connection that, you know, having inactive followers actually drags down your engagement. And so is this a drum that I want to be about social media? Yeah, it is. Is it the main thing? No, it's not. So that's my life story. That's how I got into it in the first place. And this is where I am now, where I just don't care, (laughs) which is progress and growth for me. Um, So I put this perfect Instagram post out as a test. And I was like, Lord, I need a sign. And I said, God, I've poured my heart into this Instagram account. I've been on here for three years. I've been pushing content hard for like a year and a half. You have to show me what to do with this. Do I keep going? And I put out the perfect post. And in my head, I never said this out loud, but I was like, Lord, there are two things that that would be really nice that you if you could make happen with this post and neither of those two things happened and within the next 24 hours i made the decision at the end of 2022 i'm going to fade out from my instagram now the happy ending to this story is that The one thing that I asked God for has already happened for another post. And the second thing that I asked God for is on its way to happening. So I'm extremely grateful. And it wasn't that he was saying no to those things individually. It's that he was saying no to me continuing on Instagram. And I needed that clarification for myself um, that, you know, The work that I've put out there is good. It will stand the test of time, hopefully. And, you know, I've worked very hard to make my Instagram um, 
very discoverable um, and all the content very easy to navigate after the fact. And so that will bear fruit in the long run and I don't need to continue adding to it for that to happen. Um, and in fact, you know, I will have more energy to focus on other things in my life without that. And I'll be calmer without that extra layer of stimulation. Um, I took three weeks off of Instagram in the spring and um, the first week was kind of a, 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 a detox week of like, I'm not posting and I'm not supposed to be here, but actually I'm still on and I'm scrolling and I'm checking my friend's stories every once in a while, but I'm pretending to not be here. And then the other two weeks I actually like had the app off of my phone and actually was like, oh, normal, quiet, this is good. Um, so all of that to say, God has really brought a stark contrast into my life you know, between the platform that he's given me and the platform that he's given Annalise. And I am so grateful for that. Um, the, the gift that he has given her would absolutely break me. Tuesday of this week, I sat down and I worked very hard on finishing my Psalm 23 coloring pages, which I finished. I'm recording this in late June, by the way. And Annalise texted me, hey, I'm free. We haven't talked in a week. Let's catch up. And so we're FaceTiming. I'm sitting there working on coloring pages. She's sitting there replying to DMs. I actually asked her to tell me how many she had before she started. It was about 140, almost 150. Now, some of those are a story share or a compliment or something, but a lot of those were a response to some difficult things that she had posted on her stories the day before, and people were responding with their life stories. And she spent two hours reading those direct messages and honoring those people's life stories. That is expensive and time consuming. And she is built differently from me. God has gifted her. And this is going to shock you. And, but I think she'd be comfortable with me saying this. She is less emotional than I am. And she and I have discussed this many times. She is less emotional than I am. And that is a good thing. And it gives her, you know, like, yes, these things are heavy for her, no doubt. That, that's all part of it. But I get anxiety when I see nine direct messages in my inbox. And I have friends <laughs> that are DMing me. It's not noisy. I don't have people coming in my direct messages um, telling me why I wrong or or why what I, why they're an exception to the bible or you know um you know and there's there's good pushback and there's bad pushback but one of the one of the blessings and curses of instagram is that it really channels a lot of the discussion into these private one-on-one -on -one conversations let me tell you friend i burned myself out 
on Twitter with private one-on-one conversations. I sought people out to encourage them. And yes, there's a biblical mandate that believers should encourage other believers. But there's also a biblical mandate that Paul only had one Timothy. And I'm getting into mentoring right now, but, and that's going to be its own episode. So I was going above and beyond and I, I burned myself out so hard to where DMs are just expensive for me. And I, I can't read those and just shake them off and go about my day. I'm, I'm too emotional for that. And if I had 130,000 followers, it would paralyze me. I would not be able to post with the frequency and proficiency that Annalise does. I would not be able to reply to to DMs and be able to set the phone down and focus on my husband. It would break me. And being close in proximity to her and supporting her as her account has grown. I mean, she followed... We followed each other back when she had a thousand follows and I knew she was a star on the rise and it gave me so much joy and she celebrates my wins and my, you know, few hundred follow wins the same way that I celebrate with her climbing from 126,000 to 130,000. Like our joy for each other is the same, even though our quantities are completely different. Let me tell you, friend, this, <laughs> this has not been easy for me. I would not have been ready for this friendship with Annalise any sooner in my life. I needed a lot of layers of maturity before I got here. And actually, the example that I've been given is of my friend Stephanie. I've talked about this before in my video about broken friendship but stephanie loved me and stephanie has supported my dance films as if they were her own she wanted to dance that was the one thing she wanted and i had the training that she wanted it doesn't matter that i wasn't professional that that's that was another thing that i wanted that went along with the status thing but she loved me unselfishly and she celebrated me so sincerely. You know, if rejoicing with those who rejoice is actually a lot harder than it sounds. When somebody gets the baby that you want, when somebody gets the husband that you want and friend, we are not promised those things. I'm sorry. When someone has the friend that you want, I feel very self-conscious talking about my friendship with Annalise and with Sarah because I recognize some of you listening may wish that you had the friendship that I had with Annalise. And some of you may wish that you had the friendship with me that Sarah has. And one day, y'all are going to wish that you had the friendship with Sarah that I have. Y'all just don't know Sarah yet. Like, her time has not yet come, but star on the rise, y'all. She's got to she's got to put out more Instagram posts first and and get her gears rolling. The 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 wheels are in motion. It's brings me great joy. So, um It's a journey. Let's revisit um Exodus 20 verse 17. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. 
So that is a structure, that is a thing that he has that is infrastructure. You know, coveting our neighbor's house is still a huge, very relevant struggle. And if that's a struggle for you, don't go on Pinterest. You know, very aggressively search something else in the algorithm. Search some embroidery patterns or knitting patterns, something to take your mind off it. Shove, you know, retrain the algorithm. Don't visit your Instagram discover page. Like, you have control over the things that you are allowing in your life to tempt you. Run away. Just because you feel covetous does not mean that you're sinning. Let's be clear. And maybe you're in a situation where you're in a mobile home and it is, you are barely keeping the wheels on. And wheels don't, mobile homes may or may not have wheels, but you get what I'm saying. And, and, you know, the concept of having a beautiful home with, you know, white walls and beautiful blooming orchids and aesthetics, like, is something that you're dreaming of. I've been there, friend. The struggle is real. And I don't know what God has for you. I don't know what God has for you, if I can pronounce his word correctly. Um, but stay the course. You are in the season that you're in for a reason. And even if it is because of consequences of sin, God is still able to redeem that. And I don't know what that redemption looks like. I'm not going to promise you a thing, but I am going to promise you that that redemption will be worthy and it will bring you joy and it will bring God glory. And that glory will bring you joy. It's, it's all connected. Um, do not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. <sighs> Obviously, this is addressing mankind. And so the implication is that if you are a woman, you shall not covet your neighbor's husband. And again, if that means that you need to avoid temptation, run away from temptation. And <sighs> functionally speaking, the people that you're that adultery happens most often with is other people in your friend circle and you need to have boundaries for yourself is that if this is a very real temptation for you so you shall not covet my pronunciation is so fun today you shall not covet your his male servant so at at this point you know he's talking about you know the structure and the, the power of the inner workings of um, his employee. You shall not covet your neighbor's employee. You shall not covet his female employee. And obviously, this is specified because they have different strengths. Um, and back in that time, it was common to take uh, concubines. So you may have coveted a male servant for his ability to bring in crops. You may have coveted a female servant because you wanted to do things. And let's just clarify, God set the precedent in Genesis, one man, one woman. He allowed polygamy. It was not his ideal. There are cultures in the world, and this is a tangent, and I'm going to go on it. I was talking with my cousin the other day, and she told me about how there are cultures where it's very much a Ruth Boaz situation, and the way that they take care of a, a woman, if her husband dies, is for that woman to marry another man. And that man may already have a wife. But 
that's part of how they protect their women within their culture. And under God's law, that is absolutely appropriate. And so, you know, it wisdom, wisdom has to be applied here. We understand the principles of what is ideal, but then we have to work them out individually in our culture. I may have just blown your mind about that. If you want to, please don't hit me up in the DMs. I don't have the emotional energy for that. Um, but take your time and think about it. I realize I just blew your mind there, but bear with me. We're going to keep going on this discussion. Um, and then later on in the Bible, Paul emphasized that the qualifications for an elder or deacon is that he be a man married to one wife. It's not required that he's married to one wife, but it's required that he's married to only one wife. Um, and again, the applications in that particular culture that she referenced would probably be different. Um, yeah, intercultural studies. The way the Bible applies to different cultures, mind-blowing. The way that the Bible is equally offensive to different cultures in different areas, very interesting to study. So if you're mad at me, that's probably a sign that you need to go on that rabbit hole and study and get used to the idea that the world is round and there's other people with completely other different ways of living. You need to expand your mind, my friend. Not open your mind, because that's not good, but expand your mind in realizing that there's other ways to solve the same cultural problems that we all have around the globe, and uh, there's just different people groups find different solutions for them. So, um, And part of the reason that the historical studying of you know, ancient um, Israeli culture is important is because people don't bother to explain how they wash the dishes as part of their historical documentation. That's just not something that we're given um, because it's so common and mediocre that they don't write it down. But do we know how they wash dishes? They definitely didn't have dish soap the way they had that we have today. Um, and that's probably why God said, you know, don't use the same container for meat that you use for vegetables. And in hindsight, now we have the science tell us that, you know, the bacteria on vegetables and the bacteria on meat are different and you shouldn't mix them because they're bad for each other. Like science and the Bible. Okay. That has been enough tangenting on random cultural studies in the middle of a podcast on friendship. <laughs> uh, back to the text. You shall not covet his male or female servant or his ox or his donkey. And again, this is this is like coveting. The ox is something that brings in the harvest. There's a lot of strength and power there. So this is like coveting your neighbor's tractor. You shall not covet your neighbor's donkey. That's a method of transportation. You shall not covet your neighbor's car or anything that is your neighbor's. And in my case, that that just like the anything is the big blanket statement of like, you shall not covet your neighbor's Instagram platform. You shall not covet your neighbor's email list. You shall not covet your neighbor's fields or status or quantity or anything that is your neighbor's. You shall not covet your neighbor's children's giftedness. Some of y'all felt that. God's got you. It is okay. It is okay. 
You might have to go cry in the closet today, but it's going to be okay. So, what do we do with this? How shall we now live? Inequity is a very real thing. It is part of life. It is inescapable. You shall not covet your neighbor's mitochondria. You shall not covet their their physical stamina. You shall not covet their long skinny legs or their skeletal structure or the shape of their head. All of that's very specific technical ballet references, but... <sighs> It is hard to make peace with these things, but it is worthy. And at the end of the day, we can't be mad at our neighbor for having what they have. It's not a sin to have a nice house or have a nice car. For an individual, it might be a sin, but you know, based on where they're at in life or how they ought to be spending their money. And we'll all have to answer to God for how we use our resources. But it's not a sin, by definition, to have a nice car. Some of y'all need to get over yourselves about that. (laughs) Wow, I am equal opportunity offending today. I have zero apologies. Um, But I do have compassion and it's hard and I'm sorry. Um. At the end of the day, we have to talk to God about, hey, God, you've given me this. You have not given me that. Please help me find and choose contentment. Elsewhere in the Bible, it also says, do not covet and be jealous of the wicked. Do not envy the wicked. And I'm pretty sure that's in Psalms. You can do a word search. Bible, scripture, envy the wicked. It'll come up. Google is one of my favorite concordance devices. But also having a paper concordance is very helpful for when you need to not be stimulated by the internet. So, um, dude, where is my concordance? (laughs) JK, it's on the shelf next to me. Something I just remembered is that Kathy Cook, that's spelled K-O-C-H has a book called Eight Great Smarts, and she talks about different types of smarts. So some people are logic smart, people smart, picture smart, um, nature and pattern smart, music smart, rhythm smart, um, self smart. There's eight of them. They're wonderful. And if you are really struggling with coveting your neighbor's kids' talents, I would strongly encourage you to seek out that book. All of her resources are incredible. Like, I'm going to be talking about Kathy Cook regularly in my content. So just do yourself a favor and show up now and get all of her stuff. Five to Thrive is incredible. My mom's going through it right now. And the other book that I have, I have another book and I need to get Five to Thrive. So the only one I've read thus far is Eight Great Smarts. So that's the one I can recommend from personal experience. It is incredible. And her writing is so simple. Yes, she has a PhD, but she writes with very 
understandable words. She does not show off her smartness of big words or what have you. It's very approachable, very easy to understand. And when you understand how God has made you smart, you know, maybe there's something in your own life that God has gifted you that there, maybe there's an element of your personality that you have been so shamed in that you're rejecting. And if that is you, I am so sorry. That is hard. And it can happen where there are areas of our life where God made us in a certain way and we were trying to express it, but we didn't have the resources to go about it maturely and we were learning. And in the process of our learning, we we offended people and we got shut down. That happens. Especially for you word smart people, especially if you're witty and you think of things and, you know, and that's gotten you in trouble or you're picture smart and you love to doodle in class and it was math class because math is hard I mean it's a like I can add and subtract divide and multiply and thankfully I'm a little bit faster than most people and I and I I've practiced on percentages and what have you because of retail and also calculating time percentages was a a form of therapy for me when I was in ballet and I was just just trying to get through one class at a time I would get to the 50% mark and then I would start every I would calculate what pers- what time how long I'd been taking ballet and then what percentage done that I was and I would do that over and over and over throughout class until I got to the end of the class <laughs> coping mechanisms so I'm fast at math but algebra I don't I don't care about the value of X. I appreciate the value of X. I respect people who care about the value of X. My husband understands calculus. My brother understands calculus. That stuff is completely beyond me. All that to say, there are things that I don't need to be good at, and I'm good enough at the basics and finding the middle ground of I'm content with this, this is enough. I'm glad there's other people who are out there who are better who make it work uh we need all the people in the world very important for the world to go around we need all the people in it with all the different giftings the last specific i will mention you shall not covet your neighbor's personality oh i wish i was more extroverted like her i wish i was more bubbly i wish i was funny like him i wish that i was creative i wish that i you know put ideas together that the, that the way that someone else does. Friend, God has made you exactly how he intended you to. How he intended you to be. And as you lean in on him and trust him, he will show you the why. If this podcast has given you something to think about, something you need to work through and process, I would encourage you to visit the link in the description, inversedream.com slash podcast slash friendship. There will be a web form there that will connect you with a digital mentor who wants to help and encourage you in your walk with Christ. This is not a professional counselor, simply a Christian who wants to encourage you. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Meg. I love my Jesus. 
and I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go and live it.